0: Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa
1: 5000.
0: I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice. And when investing, your capital is
1: at risk. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) Hi, everyone. We're back with episode 50, the half century century of the Impact Investing Podcast. Uh, Panic is over. We're back. Sorry. We've been been missing for two weeks. and we're not going to explain where we were. Keep that, <laughs> keep keep that, that a <laughs> mystery. Keep the, keep the rumours rife online. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about our good friend, Larry Fink at BlackRock, the BlackRock CEO, um, and more of the sort of ESG woke wars, if you like. Mm. Um, and I'd say it's sort of I'd say it's hotting up now. And it seems things it's we can, heating up, yeah. We can talk about on that. But Tom, yeah. two weeks away, <sighs> there must be a jam-packed <laughs> admin corner. Don't build it up too much. <laughs> um,
0: so keep your questions coming in, Podcast at dot 5000com Like, subscribe, listen on Spotify and Apple. Share with your friends. Watch the videos on YouTube. A um, couple of things. One is, despite only releasing two episodes in June, it was our second biggest month ever. So, thanks for listening to the old episodes. Less is more.
1: Maybe we release no episodes in July. And we <laughs> get could- <laughs> bigger and bigger and bigger.
0: <laughs> so, thank you for continuing to listen despite our unexplained absence. And uh, chart news while we're away. Um, obviously, we we weren't releasing, so we we you know dropped out a few of the charts. However, we entered the South African charts, yeah. which I think is a first. Um, so, thanks for that. We appreciate it, and uh, hopefully, we can maintain that this week.
1: Yeah, there we go. So. Uh, onto BlackRock, Larry yeah. Fink. So, uh, if you remember going back to the start of the year, we sort of we talked about how we thought ESG was going to become this very provocative term. We actually predicted that it would disappear mm. as a term um, because we thought that the anti-ESG movement uh, would would sort of try and stamp it out completely. Yeah, and also then the people who were interested in sort of the good things behind ESG would, would move more towards positive impact and would reframe how they viewed investments from environmental, social, and governance risk to actually positive outcomes of the, of the investments they were making. So there's a little bit of an, an update on that. and We actually said that we thought that there was potential for a CEO probably in the US to lose their job mm. over being too pro-ESG and, and maybe being accused of woke... Being too woke. Um, So what's happened is BlackRock and Larry Fink have released their sort of annual statements, their annual report, and and, and part of that, uh, Larry Fink does a letter to shareholders. He does written updates. And he, this year, has, strangely, Tom, Mm. the letters ESG- together they've 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 been in there separately but together have not appeared so he's not used the term esg in his update um which in 2020 he used it 26 times wow That's um so there's obviously uh he's obviously taking on board and feeling the pressure mm. from the anti-esg movement and blackrock are definitely sort of taking a at least they the way they're presenting mm. their use of esg they're there's a backpedal, I would say.
0: Yeah, he's now saying that he's he's ashamed of the politicization of the ESG debate, and he's he's going to stop using the term altogether. And he also said in a moment that almost made me feel sorry for for Larry. For the first time in his professional career, the attacks are now personal. It's quite sad.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose this is the thing where where it what happens when you when it becomes political, especially in the US. Is you know you you get onto these you know the 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 right side of the media in the US—they latch onto things, they target particular issues or particular things, and and they they're pretty relentless with it. And often, as we've said before, the facts get lost in the the sort of noise and the myth that's created into yeah. to, to what ESG is. And ESG in in the in the US is being presented very firmly by Republicans as this sort of cultural thing. Yeah, it's a culture war. It's a um you know it's it's this it's this move towards the loony left woke it's 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 sort of being mixed up with everything, and it's being really heavily targeted from mm. the media from uh politicians from you know using the using the law to try and stamp out the use of mm. uh, ESG and the investment decision process mm. and you know for a firm like Blackrock where you know they, they his job as the CEO is to is to reduce risk within his business. Yeah. Is he obviously sees this as a material enough Financial risk, risk and the yeah. term as as provocative enough to say, well it's best for us just to not use the term, even though they they do still talk about decarbonisation, yeah. they do still talk about climate. They do mention social issues and they do mm. mention governance issues, mm. so those things are all in there. Mm. But they're just—he's just straying away from actually going out and saying things like they've said in the past, which is we will incorporate ESG into all of our investment thinking. Yeah, that's now gone.
0: Yeah, he's, he's, it's interesting to see if those those other terms that you started using in the place of ESG will get demonised over time too. And he's he's assured that BlackRock's stance on ESG and probably impact investing and all the things that the other things that they're doing isn't changed. He's just dropping the term because of the backlash he gets every time he uses it. And it's amazing to see how the term ESG seems to have started to go outside of financial services. Yeah. You listen to some generic, you know, podcasts that talk about either, you know, politics or even lighter than that, you know, comedy related stuff from the US that now bring it up as a thing that is taking this whole new lease of life in the u.s so it's, yeah it's even moving out of financial circles over in the u.s which is a completely wild idea if you've ever worked in that part of the industry and know what it actually is yeah. in practice yeah it's amazing how it's been pushed into this huge debate for the presidential campaign basically of the u.s it's yeah. coming up in a you know in whatever time frame it is
1: yeah and i think you know i think that the the thing that happens is we said before is you get this sort of Woke washing with companies where they try and attach themselves to social issues in the marketing side of things. Yeah, so you know, there's been there's been backlash against brands in the US for association and with things like pride and things like um, you know trans issues and things like this. And I think almost it's. That it's playing into the, yeah. it, it, gives a, it gives a great angle for the anti-ESG mob to jump on and say, this is what ESG is. Yeah. ESG is this company trying to attach itself to a social issue. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time those those things feel really mm-hmm. forced and really yeah. fake. Um, and then the media get hold of it and they present, you know, something like, you know, I don't know, going over the top on, uh, or out of place in terms of like, you know, Lockheed Martin, for example, do a pride float and you just look at it and everyone thinks, well, what have Lockheed Martin (laughs) got to do with this? There's not a, there's not a natural connection here. And, um, you know, then what happens is the media bite on this and say, look what's happening. Mm. You know, these, these social issues are taking over companies. Companies should be focused on profits. They shouldn't be doing anything on this social thing. And it's ESG. Yeah, It's not, it's two separate things. One is, Woke washing, whatever you want to call it, one is like a marketing thing where companies try and attach themselves mm. to things that are either popular or you know things that they think will improve the image of their brand if they associate themselves with it. Yeah, um, and the other is a financial risk process, yeah. risk framework that is is trying to quantify the risks in certain categories. Four companies before you make an investment in them. Yeah, how they've come together mm. and be conflated, I don't know. Yeah, and how such a dry thing as ESG <laughs> has become such a hot potato in terms of politics, yeah. especially in the US. It's coming over here as well. Like yeah, they're trying to. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to. They're trying to bring it into the. You know, the, the new conservatives are trying to bring it into the debate in the UK. But mm. you know, in the UK, no one knows where S G is, so you're <laughs> sort of safe for now. But it's amazing that they can. That they can get so much traction behind this type of thing when there's so many more fundamental problems. Yeah, that people are facing on an everyday level than whether their local government pension scheme is incorporating ESG yeah, factors yeah, yeah. into their yeah, decision-making nah. process. I mean, big firms like BlackRock and you know the, the other
0: big asset managers, they do have a, a, a bit of a structural issue in the sense that they tend to do everything and they yeah. manage money for all sorts of different types of entities who want their money managed in all sorts of different ways. An ESG compliant way, Investing with impact, but then also the, the kind of polar opposite. BlackRock is the everything store of the asset management world, and so when you've got so many assets and uh, revenue that BlackRock get from all these different types of clients, it's a difficult balancing act trying to push that business in a in a certain direction. Um, especially when you're a US business and your biggest market is the US, with the state of the debate in the US are along these lines,
1: and so yeah, and look at look at the way the US is split voter wise. Yeah. You yeah. know, the last two elections have been. 50, 50, very, yeah. very close. Yeah. So the point is, is if something gets pinned to one side of the political debate, if ESG becomes a demo- pro Democrat thing, yeah, the then you the should side. not be surprised that Republicans won't like it. Yeah, and therefore, you know, you can ask the question, why is it politicized? We can get into that, but you shouldn't be surprised at the outcome. You shouldn't be surprised that if you if something is politicized and you express an opinion publicly on it that the people who are for that are for that, and the people who are against that are against that. That's just the way it is. And
0: it's still hilarious to me that BlackRock is being labelled like a (laughs) left-wing (laughs) organisation. It'd be interesting to see what happens with with what BlackRock do, though. You could easily see them, as, as Larry Fink said here, completely dialing down that rhetoric in the US, and then in Europe, keeping it as it is. Yeah. Because the European client base is much more receptive to it. They see it kind of for what it is, by and large. We don't have the culture war. You know, engulfing the ESG term over yeah. over in Europe. In fact, in a lot of European countries, there is no such thing as like the woke culture war. It's no. left and right, but you don't have the same culture wars, and so they'll probably have like a two-speed approach to it in different geographies.
1: Yeah, and and that naturally happens anyway. In the sense that, mm. by by definition, if you're a fund's house, you can't sell a US fund in the UK or Europe, and and vice versa easily. Anyway, so yeah, so. You know, the point is, is you have to have a European product suite and you have to have a US product suite. Yeah. And therefore you you always have and always will have products that are more popular in Europe than they are in the US and vice versa. Yeah. You know, traditionally, it's been that people have a home bias, i.e. they, yes. they invest in their local market more more yeah. prominently. Uh, you know, it might now be, incl- the thing that might be included now is there may be an ESG bias in Europe and a non-ESG bias yeah. in, in the US.
0: Which brings us beautifully... Almost like to the next, plan that. No,
1: we, and, we did, and we
0: really didn't, but it worked <laughs> out. Um, Glencore, um, the uh, the world's largest globally diversified natural resources company. They're a Swiss business, but they're obviously a very global business. Um, their chief executive, Gary Nagel, has been criticizing European investors for being too focused on ESG, for prioritizing ESG concerns over financial returns, it's a bit of a confusion isn't it because ESG is about risk mitigation not returns but anyway Gary we'll let you have it um and he's and he's defended Glencore's proposal to list a spin-off of its coal business in New York stating that American investors are more pragmatic and focused on yield and not ESG <laughs> and that that this kind of interacts with the the, a lot of reporting over the past year or plus about European stock exchanges also not being as attractive to global yeah. companies, and so it's playing into that a little bit, and trying to hold the European exchanges to to ransom over the ESG, European investors to ransom over ESG, basically threatening that you can lose one of your biggest businesses.
1: Well, I mean, look if you if you're if you're Gary Nagel, Tom, which you aren't, but <laughs> if you are, you, your job there is t- is you want you want. As many people buying your shares as possible, or you want you want you want them listed in the biggest market in the world. There's yep. obvious reasons to do that. The UK, since Brexit, it's undeniable that the stock market has become a less attractive place. There's there's fewer IPOs. There's less liquidity on the market. Um, and when you start to look at uh, ESG factors, things like the FTSE 100 are heavily into hmm. mining and other areas that in some ESG funds are excluded. Yeah. Um, and oil and things like that. So, you know, I think there's, it's great for Gary to be able to sort of say it's an ESG thing. Mm. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, this, the market's too woke for us type thing and everyone's just concerned about the environment and no one wants to make any money. We're off to the US. We've just discussed, yes, the US market, there's probably more of a market that are, not concerned by ESG or actively don't want ESG included in their investment portfolio, yeah. and uh, and some of those big pension schemes in the US probably want a high dividend paying mm. uh, mining company probably fits quite nicely into mm. the investment remit. But also there's the structural market thing. It's not. It's not. We've got to leave the. We've got to leave a buoyant UK market because ESGs <laughs> run wild and we can no longer operate here. The UK UK market for listed firms, especially you know the ones the size of. Glencore then it's not as good as it used to be and yeah. therefore you know it's, it's this, is this is financial the, but the, the, it, the
0: other factor is CEOs get paid what double or triple in the US than it get paid <laughs> over it. So maybe,
1: maybe Gary's trying to engineer a big,
0: big salary bump
1: yeah. i not, not sure he's skint but no, everyone wants know. more I don't know <laughs> but um, yeah it's, it's just one of those things and, and look it suits it suits all of the mining companies and all of the uh, oil companies and all of these these carbon polluting companies to dumb down or, or not dumb down to sort of play down the importance of anything that might be a risk to them. Yes. But if you look at, look at what happened with when uh, Russia first invaded Ukraine, mm. the first thing that we we had was energy security. You know, yes. we can Well, we would love to. Uh, we would love to stop pumping oil out the ground. We would love to stop. Digging coal out the ground, but we just can't for energy security mm. reasons. We've just got to keep going because mm. it's it's all about energy security and energy prices. Yeah, that argument's now sort of played. So now it's like let's let's now uh, let's kill ESG basically yeah. because the fewer people that are, if we can make this out to be a nonsense and make it to be all about you know woke and all about stupid issues, yeah, rather than actual uh, a real measuring of the risk of being a carbon polluter in 2023. Yeah. Then we can basically just keep the market liquid for our stock. Yeah. And we can and and also we don't have to incur the risk and the cost of transitioning our business into a new environment. Mm. We can just continue to operate in the highly profitable way we always have doing our existing business. Yeah. And that is that is clear mm. why you would you would do that as a as a as an oil CEO. I mean it's short-sighted. But yeah. It's also the easiest way to make sure that you carry on getting
0: paid. Semi-related to this, very quickly, we we were asked to comment on an, an article that went out in the Times recently about is it now can you now justify investing in weapons companies based on impact and sustainable and ESG yeah. reasons because P- of the the war in you know, Russia Ukraine and you know the the the, the, the angle of the article was one hundred percent you know of yeah. and we were the only kind of dissenting comment in the whole article. How dare you! I know woke. <laughs> but, um, we just highlight the point that maybe there's other considerations to factor in when you're analysing these weapons manufacturers. Then. Yeah.
1: Also, like like you say, oh, weapons that are making their way to Ukrainians, good. Yeah. Weapons, you know, <laughs> all other weapons, good. W- w- you know. So if you if you buy a, if you buy a, an arms manufacturer, you don't really have control as no. to who buys those weapons. No. So. At that point, you go, Well, I'm happy to buy shares in an arms dealer, you know, a, a weapons manufacturer, whatever you want to call a business, because those weapons over there are fine. Mm. But they also go to other places yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately, these weapons are generally <laughs> used for killing people. <laughs> the outcome for them is not necessarily good. <laughs> uh, not one of the UN SDGs. Not related,
0: I don't think. Um, another transition you mentioned that obviously Glencore looking to move to the US. However, anti-ESG funds are failing to gain the traction that they were perhaps built to gain gain in the US. So sales of funds designed as alternatives to ESG seem to be losing momentum in the US market. And so sales of these funds peaked in Q3 2022 at 377 million, but have since plunged uh, to about 183 million in Q1 2023. Um, One of the political uh, presidential candidates who is a founder of Strive Asset Management um so we think we've mentioned him in a previous episode set up a bunch of these funds but really haven't seen despite the the Strive getting major backing from people like Peter Thiel etc don't seem to have acquired any meaningful assets and so whilst there is a seems to be a counter trend in terms of allocations that are being made to these types of funds it doesn't seem to be following through in the in the in the numbers on the board
1: yeah i mean it's it's interesting isn't it because an anti esg fund is surely just a non esg fund <laughs> yeah. i you either incorporate esg oh, you or know. you don't yeah. you can't i mean what would you do what would you minus esg i don't know how these funds work but would you basically go and still use all the same risk <laughs> no scoring risk analysis still use all no you'd have to use all the same risk scoring and basically Either then short the highest yeah. grade stocks or buy the lowest grade. You'd have to go, we've put them yes. through this risk process and we're gonna buy the most risky. Yeah, they've all got terrible governance. Yeah. These, we're, these, buying these, we're buying the worst run companies with <laughs> with the biggest environmental risks. regulatory risks and the worst social uh, yeah. you know impact.
0: And there's and then, a returns argument. Why?
1: Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> I think I think I think even the most vehement, you know, legal cases. I don't think there's been any that have said, we don't want you to incorporate ESG. And actually we want you to go into, we want you to do the reverse. (laughs) You know, I think it's just stop it, don't incorporate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, also with these things is like, I think it proves that it's not really an investment issue. I think there's a lot of noise around woke Mm. ESG gets thrown in as a term, yeah. But I don't think there's millions of people in America saying, "Right, well, I must reassess my investment portfolio to make yeah. sure that I'm not in, I'm not exposed to any of these woke monsters." Yeah, I think people are just thinking. I think they should sort of like the entertainment value of it.
0: Yeah, it's like a it is entertainment because if you if you broke them down all individually, so you don't want to think about the governance of a company. Okay, that's a bit of a bold move, really. Yeah, and if there's obvious supply chain problems that could result in uh, legislation and issues down the line, why wouldn't you consider those you don't have to be left wing or right wing to think they're a good or bad idea. They're a neutral idea. Yeah. I think that's the point. You know, it's just been lobbed in. This neutral idea has been lobbed in with all sorts of nonsense. And who has it been lobbed in by, Matt?
1: Well, Tom, unsurprisingly, perhaps <laughs> given that we've discussed this on I can't remember what the episode numbers were, but early on in the in the in the pod In our journey. <laughs> we looked at um you know, the oil lobbying uh, situation, especially in the US. And The Guardian have done an article which basically says that uh, the right-wing war on woke capitalism is partly driven by fossil fuel interests and allies. Mm. So what they've done, there's an article, we'll share the link in the notes, but effectively they've got examples of where you have these... Think tanks, policy organisations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that are pushing forward these anti-ESG bills, um, and the money behind them is, you know, people like our good friends, the the Koch brothers, uh, ExxonMobil, Phillips, Chevron, all of the big oil <laughs> names, all the big boys that are funding millions of pounds into these policy units and these policy and these think tanks that are pushing policy. Um, with an anti-ESG bent on it. And it just goes back to what we were saying before, effectively, which is look, the, the job of the oil businesses is to keep pumping oil out the ground and, and keep making money from from fossil fuels for as long as they possibly can. They've you know, they talk about energy transition, the numbers don't back it up, and you can't present, you know, building for a green future and all this nonsense if at the same time you are trying to influence the politics in America Mm. to basically try and just crap all over ESG, basically make it out to be this like wacky woke nonsense that makes no sense. It's just going to lose you a load of money, et cetera, et cetera. When in reality, it's trying to say there's a material risk from being a big carbon polluter as well as other things, governance, all the rest of it, and, you know, Companies should have plans in place and we should quantify that risk and we should make make it clear what it means to invest in these businesses. Yeah. We're just trying to just trying to get rid of that way of thinking out the industry. And it's you know, it's the old playbook. Again, when when it the first time round, it was about whether do fossil fuels even create global warming. Yeah, that was a big thing that went on for years and years and years. And their job at that time was to go, yeah, there's some data over here, whatever. And just, <laughs> but we'll just confuse the situation. We'll influence politics, and we'll just defer, delay, confuse, create debate, create noise. Sure enough, the the, the thing that was the biggest threat to people either divesting from oil or even forcing through activism etc oil companies to start to transition their business is now being attacked because that's the, what they see as the biggest threat mm. and they're doing it in the set. they're using the same playbook exactly which is same. fund organisations to influence policy and just basically create debate and delay and all they need to do is delay
0: yeah it's exactly the same playbook isn't it I'm just glad that I mean it's not happening in Europe yet
1: no, but the point be is, the, point the is, is, if you look at the, if you look at the, you know, what's the, what's the outcome you want as a, as an impact investor? is you want, you want to, you want to invest in the long term trends, but you want those trends to be positive, and you mm. want those things to solve the biggest problems we have. The trouble is, is if you go, well, it's only happening in the U.S., mm. then, then whatever you do in Europe is irrelevant.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You doesn't mean you should stop doing it. That's mm. the argument of well it doesn't matter what you know what we do unless China and India and the US do things. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you should stop doing it. But it also means that the the global goal is muddied. We the just won't be mudded. here. Yeah. Because it just gets overtaken by basically the Republicans in the US and they they're just going to they're winning that. The winning, that winning it. argument. It
0: seems like they're winning it at the moment. Yeah. Well, they, they definitely are. When people like Larry Fink's having to back down, who's the most powerful individual in asset management?
1: And the point is, is it comes. It then just becomes this. You know, it then just becomes this minor part of the thing. Whereas, you know, the hope was that you'd start with ESG and then yeah. you'd, you'd eventually move towards. You know, everyone shares the same goal, which is to to sort out climate. And you transition businesses to get to that goal. Yeah. And there was a place for the old existing businesses, providing they were on the journey. That looks like it's gone out the window now. Yeah. So
0: uh, end on a high. So we're all doomed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that, I mean it's just it's 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 uh, you can just see it. You can just see the sort of yeah.
0: No, well, I mean you, you you can poke holes in ESG. We have we've poked different holes in it than these than these uh, people are doing so at the moment. It's harder to poke holes in impact investing because it's for different reasons, yeah. And I think that that part of the industry is still growing. People don't seem to mention that at all in the US, in a good and in a good or bad way. It seems, yeah. But the industry is growing, and I think it's a way of it's if you make the argument long-term structural returns, it's very difficult to knock it on that reason. So Absolutely. hopefully that can, it can that that form of you know it gets caught up in the SG. Sometimes it's obviously very different. We know that we've said it a million times. Hopefully that can continue to grow despite ESG having its problems. Yeah.
1: And I think they just moved the, – they're just trying to – the trouble is, is the debate has now moved, whereas, you know, the, the thing we talk about, the Glencore guy, where he comes out and he says, uh, you know, ESG people don't want returns. They're focused on this thing. They've shifted the debate to allow that comment to stand. Yeah. I think there was a t- moment in time where that comment would have been ridiculed. Yeah. But as soon mm. as you start to shift the debate – yeah. You know, a, a public CEO can say something that's just you know plainly daft, yeah. and it's allowed to sort of sit and be presented as one side of an argument. Yeah, it's not one side of an argument; it's just wrong. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think this is why we do what we do, which is impact investing. It's it's not ESG, and you know, as you say, the case the case for that is strong in yeah. terms of the long term structural trends, and and uh, yeah, the US as always doesn't. Cease to uh... do us no favors. <laughs> Cheers, lads. <Yeah.
0: laughs> Maybe we should take back control of it, like we, you know,
1: bring it bring it back under our wing. Uh, right, let's stop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. everyone.
1: Impact investing from circa 5,000.
0: Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5,000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.